You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at this.labs. Today, we are very excited to be discussing Remix a framework that uh, has been taking the web by storm. Uh, we'll be discussing this with Kent C. Dodds. Kent C. Dodds is a husband, a father, and on the side, a director of developer experience at Remix. Kent, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yes, that is on the side. Uh, 40 hours a week at least. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, um, I, I appreciate uh, the, the most important titles that I can hold are husband and father. So uh, thanks for that intro. Absolutely. Now, before we can dive in today, first, we're going to uh, hear from our today's sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform built for your PHP-based web applications. If you are looking for a fully managed, hassle-free hosting solution, Cloudways is the way to go. Cloudways takes over all the server management and security issues and allows their customers to dedicate that time to expand their business and acquiring new clients. Cloudways offers a choice between five world-class IAS partners, AWS, Google Cloud, DigitalOcean, Linode, and Vulture. Moreover, Cloudways comes with a super fast, optimized stack, managed backups, an excellent staging environment, easy Git deployment, 24-7 support, and much more. All of this makes Cloudways a perfect choice not only for agencies, small and mid-sized businesses, and e-commerce stores, but also for web developers who wish to focus on development instead of getting into hosting-related issues. All this power, simplicity, and peace of mind falls right in line with the Cloudways slogan, Moving Dreams Forward. If you want to give them a try, use the promo code MODERNWEB to get a $15 free hosting credit. All right. Kent, again, thank you so much for joining us to be talking about Remix. You know, it it, it really feels like things have been moving fast in the Remix community. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people uh, that have heard about Remix, not the least of which because you've just successfully uh, executed Remix Conf. Congratulations on that, Thank by the you. way. Um, but, you know, the web community is vast and Remix is still new. So there will be many people listening to us talk that actually have no idea what this is that we're talking about today. So for those people, can you bring them up to speed on what is Remix? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to talk about the growth story to put some of that into context, because it is pretty remarkable. Um, so Remix is a web framework that's based on the the, the web fundamentals, uh, the web platform, uh, with a laser focus on user experience. Um, everything that we do, everything that um, we are thinking about, we're constantly uh, considering the impact of the user experience um, for that. And so, um, yeah, we just want to um, give users a really excellent um, experience on the web. Um, it was created by Ryan um, Florence and Michael Jackson um, back in uh, COVID, like when COVID started and kind of destroyed their business of in-person training. Um, and they decided they wanted to uh, to build software and sell it. Um, just happened to be a web framework that they wanted to sell. Um, they did that for about a year where you'd have to get a license to use the framework and then um, got some funding and hired some people and went open source. Uh, that's around the time that I joined up um, officially, um, though I've been involved um, since really the beginning um, in providing feedback and ideas and things. Um, and yeah, it's been a pretty remarkable um, uh, little framework that enables you to 
uh, what, what I say is it enables me to build excellent user experiences and not feel so bad about the code that I had to write to, to get there. Uh, so yeah, awesome developer experience, awesome user experience, laser focus on the web platform um, to make that a reality. Great. And as we understand it, Remix is built around React as the core technology and using some of those core sort of React idioms, I guess, as the delivery mechanism for the view. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's currently the case. Um, we uh, are pretty darn close on uh, support for other frameworks. And so you can plug in your own framework. Um, and yeah, the, of course, like React, uh, if depending on what metric you choose to, to look at, um, you're roughly around uh, three times more widely used than all of the other frameworks combined. So it is definitely, that was um, what Ryan, Michael, and I were all using um, before Remix uh, came to be. And so it was a natural uh, first choice for how we built this. Um, and uh, and it really is, uh, Remix is an evolution of React Router. Uh, that's, uh, and so, yeah, React was obviously already in place there. Um, and so, yeah, but we have uh, a team member who is really into the Vue community. Um, part of the, the reason that we hired them was because uh, he built um, a like a Remix version or a, a Vue version of Remix. Um, and so, yeah, so Vue support will definitely come before too long. Um, and Preact is also on our minds because Preact is pretty awesome. Um, and just giving people a little bit more optionality there. Um, but really, uh, we we just want to push the entire web forward and we can do this uh, best by um, uh, by supporting um, other frameworks as well. When you look towards that idea of opening it up, I mean, do you all as a team see Remix as a set of like a, like a methodology or an approach to building things? Or do you see it as these libraries? Like if there was going to be a, a, a Remix view, for example, uh, would that be something that you all would would take ownership of? Or would the idea be that you all would want to trans, transform Remix into a set of generalized approaches and principles that could then be adapted to different environments? Like, do, do you have a vision for what that's going to be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, most of what Remix is has nothing to do with React already. Um, and so a lot of the, the core code will be usable regardless of the framework, not just because of the ideas and ideology and whatever philosophy um, but because the actual code um, is is usable without React. Um, we recently, um, a, a, maybe a month or two ago, uh, published a blog post titled Remixing React Router. Um, and another blog post, or another title could have been Unreacting React Router, um, uh, where uh, we are bringing a lot of features from Remix into React Router, but at the same time, we're also um, sort of rewriting React Router uh, in a non-breaking way. Um, to um, uh, to be framework agnostic, um, and so yeah, the uh, the features that Remix um, itself has are really really valuable. Um, and the uh, when we're all finished with this, and we actually have a pre-release out right now, so it's basically finished. Um, uh, but uh, when when that is officially released, um, most of uh, what is now React Router will actually just be an adapter for what will be re Remix Router. Um, and so, yes, it absolutely is. Um, there's a philosophy behind it. We have a philosophy page on, on in our docs, um, and there's a, an approach uh, that basically comes down to 
um, improve performance by uh, stacking network requests and shifting them over to the left of the, the network waterfall. Uh, so parallelize and make it happen faster uh, or as, as soon as possible. Um, and, uh, and then there's the, um, from the developer experience uh, standpoint, there's the focus on uh, server rendering that um, really, really helps with developer experience um, and and end user experience as well. Um, co-location of, of co uh, your server code is uh, along with your client side code is another piece of that. Um, and then, uh, but then there's a lot of actual code that goes into uh, making all of that work that will be applicable regardless of the UI library you use. And actually, uh, because of this, it uh, makes React a lot easier. Uh, so a lot of the pain points that people have with React um, are not pain points when you're using Remix because you don't have to do those things. And we can dive into that quite a bit deeper uh, if you like, but um, that's one of the benefits um, of using Remix is that it makes React easier. I think that's one of the questions that we get sometimes or that I get when I'm talking to people about this is that when you look at Remix and React, now, I, uh, do you see Remix as competing with React, as sort of complementing it? Do you see them sort of running orthogonally to each other? I mean, it seems like this is just a, a good way to build good React apps, not the only way to build them, but just another good way to do it. Uh, like, how do you all see that? Or how should people understand it? Yeah, uh, so it, it, it's not quite correct to say that they are competing against each other because you use them together. Um, but that said, we my ambition is that uh, Remix will be more widely used than React in the future um, because we support more than just React. Um, and the, the other thing is that it's, it's kind of loose uh, on your definition of what use counts as once we have uh, all like a bunch of Remix features in React Router. Um, because at, at that point, Remix is kind of like this uh, collection of features and packages. And so if you're uh, using the router, and which has a bunch of these features from Remix, you're technically, you're using Remix. And you're just not using the server rendering feature necessarily. And so uh, in that world, we're, we're already at like six to seven in 10 React apps are using React Router today. Um, and so as far as like, um, the amount of usage that we get, um, it like we're we're already uh, very widely used um, in in that world, and um, our motivation is to help people see the benefits from both the developer and, and user experience standpoint of moving, uh, starting to take advantage of the server rendering features of Remix, um, and so. Yeah, there's there's a lot to uh, um, to that, but I, I wouldn't uh, categorize it as like a, a competition. Um, the more people who are using Remix, uh, at least right now, uh, will increase the number of people using React. Um, in the future, it will really just be um, uh, people just get to choose which which flavor they want. Um, and we're still in, in that world. We're still not uh, really competing against them. It's just that they. React didn't um, didn't vibe with whatever they wanted to do, and so they choose Vue or Angular or something like that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I know you've been doing web development for quite a while as well. I know you came from the Angular JS days, uh, mm -hmm. and then into to React, and I'm sure you've dipped your toes perhaps in other communities over the ages. And so you were around in sort of the 2015, 2016 ish timeframe when 
people made the joke that there was a new web framework every single week, it seemed like. There were so many popular ones. I don't know if you perceived the same thing, but I felt like things went really quiet for a number of years. And we really did coalesce around sort of the big three of Angular, React, and Vue. But now we see this new surge as all developers are kind of uh, experimenting with and, and playing around with static site generation, uh, server-side rendering. You see SvelteKit and Solid and Next and Gatsby and Quick and Remix and many others. I, apologies to any that I didn't just mention. <laughs> I'm kind of curious how you see yourself rel relative to those projects um, and what it is that all of you are seeing this need, this unfulfilled need that's being responded to uh, as people are really kind of trying to push things maybe out of the era of the full spa. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So relative to uh, the other upstarts uh, with regard to frameworks, and I suppose like it may not be fair to call uh, Gatsby and Next upstarts. They've been around for quite some time, um, but uh, but React Router has been around for like eight years, and so. Um, we have been around for, for quite some time, uh, we're ch plugging away at this and, and actually one of the primary motivations for Michael and Ryan, um, in building Remix was they saw that, um, they would use these websites, uh, that had a lot of problems, um, and they would pull up in the dev tools and see that the website was using React Router and like, shoot, I did this, like, this is my fault. Um, why couldn't I have made this better so that, um, it's just better by default or whatever. Um, and so that's really what, what Remix is. Um, so I, I, and I do uh, definitely remember the days, like it was, it was just this running joke, you know, there's always a new web framework and it was kind of annoying to me because it was told, um, or it was, um, um, people would mention it in frustration, um, at the mm -hmm. ecosystem. It's like, I mean, these people are, are trying to solve problems. It's not like they're just like throwing things together for the fun of it. Uh, I mean, maybe some of them are, I don't know, but, um, but like they're, they're trying to solve real problems and you're just going to go make fun of them for making a new framework. And, and I, um, and, and there was that little bit of a lull for like three or four years, uh, where there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, next and Gatsby did, did come up, but there was, uh, other than that, not, not too much, certainly no more like view libraries. Um, and then, uh, uh yeah, in the last, uh, two or three years, we've, we've gotten a bunch, um, and I think that um, we reached the the end of our patience with uh, with spas. Uh, really, uh, spas solved a number of problems that MPAs or multi-page apps had. Um, in particular, uh, nice animations between page transitions and like when error messages would pop up. Um, focus management, uh, so like some accessibility stuff there. And so, uh, like the, there was. Uh, a, a while where um, MPA apps would try to solve that by sprinkling in some JavaScript. Uh, then you find yourself uh, duplicating templates uh, and uh, from like the server render and then trying to like update your list of to-dos or whatever in, in the client render. Now you've got the same template in two places, two completely different languages, in, in, in fact. And so, um, and yeah, we just got to the limits of what sprinkling JavaScript could do. And so now we're doing front-end only um, because there wasn't really a good way to um, to do both, like front end and back end in the same language in the same code and stuff. And so we just went all the way on the other side. Now our back end is just an API. Um, and then it's only in in recent years where um, the idea of actually sharing code and rendering the same code on both places um, has been 
um, really embraced um, and and made capable. And I think that uh, Remix is pretty unique in its approach to uh, solving this problem. And I'd love to talk about that in more detail as well. But um, uh, yeah, I somebody recently asked me if I think that uh, Remix is the uh, next generation uh, of building web apps, kind of like how we started with MPAs and then went into SPAs. Is, is Remix like that next level type of thing? And I totally believe that it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have left my full-time teaching thing <laughs> um, because I was I was doing great over there. So um, I, I saw what Remix was doing and I was like, this is the next big thing. So I'm going to jump on board. And so that is, um, I, I'm really excited about the future uh, that we have on the web. And ironically, I believe it's the same thing. It's, it's why I've been so excited following it. I think it's why so many people have resonated with it so quickly is that I think it does feel right. And uh, I do want to kind of stay right where you were sort of introducing us to, which is this idea of progressive enhancement and what that kind of means in the remix story. Now, a lot of times when people think of like server side rendering or bringing the server into this, they think of, you know, these sort of, I guess, also called isomorphic approaches, this idea of shipping down sort of inert fragments of, of HTML that then would have to be hydrated as a spa kicked on and started making everything interactive. So with people sort of starting maybe with that model, if they have any model at all, what is different in Remix and how does what does progressive enhancement mean in Remix? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually just gave a talk last week at Render ATL um, about progressive enhancement and what Remix is doing to bring that back. Uh, progressive enhancement was introduced as a term and a concept back in 2003, so very early days of the web. Uh, and the idea was like, let's make sure that our uh, our markup is semantic and that JavaScript and CSS are just used to make the experience better, not enable the experience in the first place. Um, and with spas and uh, around the time of like to do MVC and all of that stuff, that, that was the demo that I, I gave in the talk. Um, we kind of kicked all of that to the curb and we said, you know what, JavaScript, is, like we just got to have it. And so we're just going to say our app does not work without JavaScript at all. Um, and so now we're not progressively enhancing, we're JavaScript enabling. Um, and uh, and that is fine because most of the time um, our users do have JavaScript. Um, and so like, you know, the JavaScript to download eventually and, and they can start using it. And uh, with the way that we architected our apps, um, even if the um, we server rendered stuff, nothing would actually work until the JavaScript showed up anyway. And so like, why, why does it matter that we're client rendering? Um, and what, what Remix's approach was, was to just embrace the fact that, hey, like the web knows how to do all of this stuff. Let's make it so that our server, like we'll, we'll server render so that we can get the fastest, most dynamic uh, thing possible. Because I, I got to take a couple steps back. Because what, what happened later was we said, hey, um, having a, a loading spinner just so I can show my blog post, uh, that's like pretty stupid. It, that's static content. Let's not do that. And instead, um, let's... Um, let's generate this as build time. And that's the whole um, premise behind uh, the origins of Gatsby. And uh, Next.js actually started out as a server rendered thing and then eventually decided, hey, that static generation thing makes a lot of sense for what we're trying to do. And so they started getting in really heavily into static site generation. Um, and uh, and then uh, even some of the modern um, takes at this are really focused on the static portion of all of this. Um, and the, the problem that you have with that is for most sites, 
that are um, money-making sites. Um, so like not maybe not necessarily your blog, um, but like you've got a e-commerce platform. And so you've got hundreds of thousands of, of products or you know whatever the case may be. And the, the content for those uh, pages changes rapidly based on what the inventory levels are and sales and different things like that. And so you cannot statically generate all of those pages. It just does not scale. If you try, you will just bring down your CMS um, anytime you need to, to regenerate the pages. And so um, Gatsby and Next have both been really trying to uh, uh, bring in their their own acronyms for solutions to this problem. So ISR and and I can't even remember what the other one is, uh, Dynamic Static Regeneration, DSR, I think. Um, but uh, these, uh, these uh, trying to solve the problems that static site generation presents. Um, and if you don't go that route, then you have to just put loading spinners all over the place um, to, to dynamically load this stuff. And so you wind up in this um, uh, this chasm of um, poor choices, uh, like really poor options. So um, what, what Remix said was, hey, like if, if you've got something dynamic, um, why don't we just generate the, um, the HTML on the server like we did back in the old days and, um, and and we'll basically like the, the MPA model, the mental model for building an app was actually really, really simple. It's just a request response and you never think about client side state at all. Like it's just not even a thought. Um, and so what if we could take that mental model and just enhance it with JavaScript to um, get all the things we were trying to get when we went to the, the spa route? Like let's, let's go backwards on the, the trail a little bit, find the fork in the road where we went spa and let's see if there's a different fork in the road there um, where we can get all of the benefits of the mental model of MPAs with all of the um, accessibility and, and, um, and animations and, and like the nice pieces uh, that we got from having a, a rich JavaScript experience. And, um, and so ultimately that, that means like, let's go back to progressive enhancement. Let's use JavaScript to enhance the experience, not to just enable it. And so that what that means is server rendering so that you can render the HTML uh, dynamically, like regardless of whatever, what user is requesting it, what, what uh, experiments or feature flags you have enabled, like all of that stuff can be uh, generated at request time. Um, and then we um, can enhance the experience with JavaScript um, when, uh, when things are hydrated, if they're hydrated at all. Um, in some cases, you don't need JavaScript. And so what that requires is um, for mutations, like it, uh, actually, if your site is just a static site, let's just, it's a blog, there's nothing there, then that's, that's actually really easy and you don't need ISR or, or SSG to accomplish the performance characteristics you're looking for because for a very long time, we've had a, uh, a directive for the cache control header called uh, stale while re revalidate, which basically says, well, well, first of all, we have the like uh, max age that will cache things in the browser. And it'll say, hey, if you've gotten this document in the last seven days, then just keep it in the browser. You don't have to go to the server to go get it. That doesn't work really great because if I change something, I can't bust somebody else's cache. Like they have to hard refresh. So um, that, that works sometimes, but like for a lot of cases, it doesn't work. So then um, we have this SMAX age directive that says um, for a shared cache, like a CDN, um, let's cache it there. And then if we do need to make a change, then we can just go tell the CDN, hey, I want you to purge that cache and it'll throw it away and, and it'll hit your server to, to warm it up again. Um, and so just with that, you actually get pretty much mostly what um, what SSG is, is talking about. It's uh, just 
uh, now your build server is a long running uh, server, or maybe you're running serverless. And, and so it's just like this function. Uh, but in any case, um, you kind of build on demand. Uh, and so what that means is that scales to hundreds or millions of pages. Um, but then the, the problem is, what if the, the cache times out? Now the next user to go get that document has to wait for uh, the server to serve it up to them. And maybe it takes like two seconds to, to generate that HTML or something. So um, we don't want to have to wait. And so for that, we have stale while revalidate that says, hey, um, uh, this cache is stale. It's old. So I'm going to send a response um, of the old stuff, and I'm going to revalidate and update my cache. And so now no users ever get a, a slow experience. And so you get all the performance characteristics by just using the web platform, the, the APIs that already exist and that CDNs, um, many of them already support. Um, and then, uh, and so that that handles like the totally static case that um, mm -hmm. G was intended to solve. And then it turns out that most of the time you can't actually use that because most of the time you don't have just static sites. Most of the time you have dynamic sites that are like the user's now logged in and everything is going to be different for everybody. And so you couldn't use SSG for that to begin with. And so uh, the the best, uh, I mean, you can, but then you've got loading spinners everywhere, which is not great. And so mm -hmm. uh, the best user experience is just figure out how to make your server rendering really fast. And with Remix, uh, you can do that in a really nice way. And in particular, with uh, if you need it to be really, really fast, then you can use um, new infrastructure like um, edge functions and things like that to um, to co-locate your uh, server and the generation of that HTML really close to wherever the user user is. And uh, and so far, uh, even without that edge stuff, we've seen that um, we can give the user a, a just as fast experience um, with like no loading spinners um, and an app that um, that doesn't actually even need JavaScript to uh, to function um, until you get to like some really complicated stuff. But you can actually get way further than what people typically think um, by embracing progressive enhancement. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, That's great. <laughs> there's I a bunch of stuff for you. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I do want to stick on this just a little bit. Now, I will say a little bit of a teaser here. I do want to give forms and what forms mean to remix their own due in a second here. But I want to stick on this one piece because I think one of the things that I know I struggle with a little bit and I know other people struggle with when they use something like remix, which is really across the stack, is that sometimes you lose sense of where code is executing and what it is. Am I on the client? Am I on the server? You know, and when i uh when i perform if i if i do have a more dynamic site and you know i might be doing routing or i might just you know have a piece on the page that needs to be constantly getting fresh data or updating what is the mental model that i should have that people should have for what's happening in this scenario let's say we have javascript so we are fully enhanced did it did it enhance into a full spa at that point what is remix doing then is it is it more like the the single page or the multi-page thing where it's constantly hitting the server and downloading new React fragments and remounting from scratch? Like, what is the mental model we should be working with in that more dynamic case? Yeah, that's a great question. The mental model you should be working with is is MPAs. That's not how it works, but that's the way that you think about it. Um, and the this is a great mental model because it um, it means that you don't have to think about application state management when you're using Remix, and that. Um, I'll say that again um, because it's really profound. You do not have to think about application state management when you're using Remix. 
period. Um, the exception to this would be if you are not persisting your application state. Um, so maybe I like there are examples of this, of course, um, they're like a, a game maybe or something like that where you don't care about saving game state or something. But for the vast majority of use cases, you're persisting that state somewhere. And your application state management is really just cache state management. You're uh, managing the, the cache of what's in the back end. And so um, because of this, like Im imagine your app that you're working on today and uh, think of all of the code you have revolving around managing state, like your application state. So like the user that's logged in and the, um, the list that they're looking at and the details of the items in that list, all of that, all of that state that you're managing, just imagine you could blow it away, like Thanos, snap it away. <laughs> and um, and that, that's basically what it feels like to work in Remix. So, so the mental model is an MPA. That's, that's what you're thinking about. Now, um, of course, when we progressively enhance, we're making a, a better experience than what the browser can offer by itself. And so now we're adding things like a combo box and, and different stuff like that, that, that will um, make a request to go get, you know, the list of countries as the user is typing, stuff like that. Um, so for, for that sort of experience, um, the mental model is still, um, like we're making requests as the user is typing and stuff. And so like that piece, it still kind of feels like a spot, but for the, the typical product engineer, um, development, uh, it feels like an MPA. So as far as the way that it actually works, um, when, um, the JavaScript is actually loaded and, and the app has hydrated. Now, as the user is clicking around, they click on a link or they submit a form. Um, Remix is doing a bunch of fetches to make all of that work. So it'll fetch to go get the data for the next page you're going to. It'll fetch to submit the form uh, to make the mutation and it will revalidate everything on the page um, for you automatically. So um, the, the way that it actually works is uh, what you would be familiar with from a single page app. But the way that you think about it as you're developing um, is what you get from an MPA. So Remix, Remixes, MPAs with spas. That's what it, uh, really what it does. Um, and so you get the, the simpler mo mental model with the more advanced capabilities put together. And that's what Remix is. Suddenly the connection to uh, sort of React Router makes a lot more sense to me because this is going to be a very, seemingly a very route-centric uh, model of thinking. I mean, mm. you know, I, I'm sure you've seen examples of this as well in the wild of people, even if they're using React Router, will often create a sort of, I, I like to joke that it's like reinventing the router where they have very complex uh, spas that have many different uh, segments and modules, um, but all the routing just happens logically through application state changing more so than yeah. anything in the URL bar being represented. And mm. it seems like these people will Remix is going to be sort of pushing them in the right direction because what they're going to, it seems like what they're going to be able to find is that that data that they were constantly uh, asking for at the beginnings and use effects at the, at the tops of these uh, components, they're going to need to get that, I guess, from the loader state. And if they just have one gargantuan route that needs all of this state for all the myriad types of sub views you might try to load, that might push you in that direction of thinking more about how does this decompose into more routes or more pages and, and things like that. Is that does that sound? Yeah, accurate? yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Now there are absolutely some uh, use cases where I don't I don't have routes. I don't want routes. I am a game. I am a dashboard. Um, you know, whatever. And um, and so there are absolutely those those uh, sorts of cases. And Remix caters to those really well. We have this hook called Use Fetcher that allows you to do client side fetching. 
um, and it, it works great. Um, so I, I can't think of any other framework that serves you even better. Uh, like you can, even if you don't want to use usefetcher, you still have uh, React query and that still works and all of that stuff. The, the challenge with um, not thinking about things from the route level is that um, it means you pretty much either have to load all of the data up at the top, and, you, and so you have to magically know what that data is. And you can, you can know what that data is magically through a compiler like Relay or something. Um, but nobody really does that. Um, what typically happens is you want to co-locate your data requirements with the components that require them. And so if you're not um, thinking about routes and URLs, um, then it, uh, you have to wait until the component renders before you can start fetching the data. And that's where you get into these waterfalls um, that, you know, don't go chasing waterfalls. Like you don't want to um, um, be forcing your users into these waterfalls where it's like, first I got to go get the code, then I got to process it and all that stuff. And now the code's got to go get the data. And now that I have the data, now I've got to go get the images that I need to render from based on what that data showed me. All like, this is just stepping stairs. Oh, and now that I have the code, I also need to go get this other code because that, based on the state now, I have to go like, I'm rendering this other thing. So it ends up not being great. And even in a dashboard situation, you often want to have the uh, search params updated based on um, what, you know, filters that the users have active and stuff. So even in that, like that's still in the URL. Um, and so, and and we can do all of our magic stuff with, um, with that sort of thing. So um, even for those types of, of use cases, Remix is very well suited. Um, but yes, the, the idea is um, part of what makes Remix so magical is that you can Remix can look at the URL and know all of the data requirements and CSS and JavaScript requirements before the user even navigates there. And so we can actually start prefetching if we think the user is going to mm -hmm. click on something and just make the uh, experience. At, you know, now that now that we're no longer an NPA because we've hydrated, now we're kind of a spa. Uh, we can start prefetching uh, and downloading the rest of the app as the user navigates around, which is not something you can do very well with an NPA. I'll tell everybody listening that you can bust out your bell bottoms and your fanny packs now because we're getting to the retro part of the conversation. I, I love for that one of the biggest features of Remix is that it embraces form in all of its glory from the, the beginnings of us using the web. It embraces all of the corners of it. I, I, I was wondering if you could walk through, walk through for people why, why are forms so cool? Why does Remix think forms are so cool and and how are they used in the framework yeah forms are huge <laughs> like the, the uh, it's it's funny when i started in web dev um i my first company was uh using backbone and even with backbone the first thing that you learn when you're doing mutations on the web is okay you're going to have this form thing and you'll have a submit handler and the first thing you'll do is event.prevent default and then you learn that the next like 30 to 50 lines are doing what you just prevented in a worse way. <laughs> and because you're not handling race conditions, you're not handling form resubmissions, like all the other things, you know, that we we don't typically think of. Like how, what happens if that first request takes longer than the second request and you know to come back. So um yeah, the um, forms in remix are how you do mutations. And if we think about things on the web without any framework, you know, front-end framework at all. When a form is submitted, that is exactly like a, a link being clicked, except it has a payload. That's literally the only difference. In fact, if you do a default form, the default method is get, 
And so uh, a link is just like, it's whatever the href is. A form when submitted is whatever the action is plus the form values as query parameters. So like they are basically the exact same thing except the user has some input on what those query parameters are. Now you can change it to a post, which most of the time we do. And now those query parameters are in the body of the request, but they are the same thing, um, a link and a form, same thing. Uh, one just has a, a few more extra capabilities. So with that in mind, um, when you navigate, still thinking about an MPA before uh, front end framework, when you get navigate between these different pages, if I'm clicking on a link, I'm going to get brand new HTML. And that HTML is going to be the latest up-to-date thing that the server sent me. And that's what I'm going to be rendering. Uh, if I submit a form, I'm going to be posting and I'm going to get back some HTML or maybe I'm going to get back a redirect and that will send me uh, to another URL that I can go and get some HTML. And uh, in either case, I'm going to get that HTML that's completely up to date based on the mutation I just made. So I say delete this tweet and the HTML I get back is um, the HTML without that tweet in there, right? So I always have the latest up to date information. This is why NPAs were so easy because you didn't think about client side stuff. You just like, I, I, I do my mutation and now I generate HTML and that HTML is gonna be generated based on the data that's in the database now. And that database no longer has the tweet. And so it, it's not in there. And, I, and even on the back end, you're not thinking about that. You're just like, okay, do the thing and now generate this other thing. And, and because that's not in the database anymore, it's gone. So like, you're not, you're not thinking about dispatching Redux actions or anything like that. So, um, Remix basically says, hey, you know, the browser behavior is actually pretty good. We're just missing a couple of things. Let's become a browser emulator. So let's let's enhance the, the browser experience. And we'll say that links and forms work the exact same way from a mental model standpoint. And we'll just emulate what the browser does. And so what does the browser do? It, it says, um, hey, all of the data that's on the page is uh, when, when you make a mutation, it's all out of date. Like all bets are off. We don't know what's supposed to be you know, showing up here or whatever, but we're the router. So we know what components are supposed to still be on the page or like if you didn't redirect or if you're staying on the same page or maybe you did redirect and we're the router, we know where you're going so we can render that stuff. So um, because you made this mutation, all bets are off on what the data is. And so let's go and revalidate all of that data. Um, and of course, like I can hear people already thinking about that, like that is wasteful because I didn't change the user's information because they, uh, deleted a tweet. So yes, you can absolutely opt out of, of specific things. But the point is that the right thing is the default. And then you can optimize to make things better. Uh, whereas with a spa, um, the right thing is like, who knows? <laughs> like, we're just like thrown into, you know, the, the world of, you know, we prevent a default. So we're, we're just doing whatever. So um, anyway, yeah, we do prevent default when uh, things are hydrated, because we don't we don't actually like the default behavior of a full page refresh, um, but we emulate the default behavior so that um, your mental model remains the same. And that's one of the things that makes Remix and Forms so special. You know, between these uh, topics and, you know, talking about forms and things like that, I think it really gives voice and explains why one of the mantras that you all have at Remix is to, to use the platform. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because so many people in the community and the broader web development community, especially in the web performance community, uh, have sort of been saying that they've been telling React developers for years to use the platform. Um, and now to hear it from React developers who have who have embraced it as part of, of this uh, library, to them sometimes seems a little weird. So do you see this embrace of using the platform to be 
um, you all saying, hey, you all were right, we were wrong? Or do you see this as like a yes and to that concept? Like, how do you how do you answer people that feel like, um, you know, they've been saying use the platform for years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we absolutely are, are full, fully on board with use the platform as a concept uh, or use the parts of the platform that make sense. There are certainly parts of the platform that don't. Um, and for like, I mean, I, I hate to bring this up, but web components don't server render. Uh, you can hack something together to make something work, but that's going to be dog slow. And that, that is a really, that's a huge shame. Like, wow, we missed something there. And maybe there's something we can do to recover from that. But uh, but yeah, you are not going to get the best user experience uh, if you're leveraging web components and you're not server rendering. So that that is that is a shame. So there are pieces of the platform that we do not recommend using. Um, but for the the pieces of the platform that are working well for us, yeah, we totally recommend using the platform for as much as you can. Um, the thing is, for a long time, um, we were like re-implementing the platform in JavaScript. Um, uh, like you think about uh, caching as an example, like we would build up a, a cache in JavaScript, just this JavaScript object, uh, and then you close the tab and the cache is gone. You got to warm it up again next time the user shows up. But the platform says, hey, we've got cache control headers and you can like cache URLs and, and everything. And and uh, so, yeah, Remix uses the platform to take advantage of the, that those cache headers and, and it works out really nicely. So, um, Yes, as far as like, I remember when use the platform became a hashtag and it became a big thing. It was um, for me, I, I was like, well, okay, so how do I how do I get the user experience that I'm looking for if I'm using the platform? There was just not a really great way to take advantage of it. And I felt like a lot of the people who were saying use the platform, um, I don't know, it seemed a little disconnected from the, you know, on the ground working uh, on a big app. I was working on at PayPal shipping to millions of people all over the world, this very large app. Um, using the platform would not have ended well for me. Um, uh, without, uh, without Remix or some sort of framework that enables me to use the platform in the way that it, it does, um, that would have just been really difficult. Like what, what I heard when people said use the platform was don't use React. And I'm saying like React solves some pretty serious problems for me. Um, and I realized that a lot of the times they were just like, I can't believe that it's so hard to use web components with React. And for me, I, I never really cared too much about that because why would I use web components when um, my entire application is React and, um, and it, it's working so well for me? And I understand the the migration thing. Like, what if you need to migrate to another framework? You have to throw all this stuff away. I've migrated to uh, from multiple frameworks to like so from Backbone to Angular, from Angular to <laughs> to Angular, um, and then from uh, from Angular to React, uh, from Backbone to React. I, I've done all of these, and um, and every time uh, I didn't want to use the old code anyway. <laughs> like, I wanted to write it from scratch. Uh, and you know, of course, there was an interop layer while you migrated iteratively. But um, but when I was like ready to to move, I didn't want to keep the old stuff anyway. Um, and so the the um, the mantra of like use the platform, don't use React, is what I was hearing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to use use web components. That does not serve what I'm trying to accomplish. So uh, now, use the platform for me um, and and for Remix is. Like the platform is way more than your UI library. It's way more. Um, there are, are uh, link prefetch tags. There are uh, the cache control headers. 
There are cookies for authentication. You don't have to use local storage and Jots and, and worry about your user's authentication state getting stolen. Um, there, there are a lot of pieces of what this platform is. And uh, Remix takes advantage of as many of those things as possible so we don't have to re-implement them poorly um, in JavaScript. I, I agree. I, you know, I, I love that. Uh, I think Sean Wang uh, Swicks on Twitter for anybody that uh, doesn't know you should follow him, but he, he talks about this a lot with um, the idea of people seeing pendulums versus he calls them switchbacks. This idea that some people sort of cynically look at some of the server side technologies, things like Remix and others that are happening and say, oh, we're just going back to what we did 10 years ago. Finally, they've learned that we were doing it right all <laughs> along. When what you should be seeing is it's like this evolution. Mm -hmm. you, you try something that's paradigm defining. It has advantages. It has trade-offs. Then you try to reinvent it with some of what you had and some of the best parts of what you had. Mm -hmm. And maybe there'll be then a shift back as we maybe moved too much to the server and we realize we we lost a few things from the spot age and we're going to fold that into what we're doing. And you get this sort of evolution, this continual growth thing. And I think maybe that's how people should be seeing it more so than uh, React developers saying we were wrong the whole time. You're right. Spas were garbage and we never should have done this. Uh, yeah. I think that would be the wrong read <laughs> of the Yeah, code. absolutely. Uh, I, I, I like the switchbacks. I, I call it an upward spiral, but switchback, I think is a better, better metaphor there. And, um, the, the thing is like for anybody who has that attitude of like, oh, the React developers are finally coming around. We were doing it right the whole time. Like, uh, -uh what you're, you you think that we're gonna we're coming back to do the things that the way that you said we always should have, but give it a look. This is absolutely not what you're doing right now. This is very different from what you're doing right now. Um, and and I'd invite anybody to try and rebuild one of our demos in their favorite framework. Um, good luck. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, good luck. I hope that you know things go well. Um, but when you're done, I want you to compare the code and I want you to compare the user experience. Um, and that's that's what we've done. So people ask us about um, the Next.js and like, you know, how do you compare with Next.js? Because Next.js does server rendering and stuff. And so um, we took their e-commerce demo and uh, we migrated it to Remix, changing as little as possible. And then we also rewrote it from scratch in Remix and uh, wrote a really big, long blog post about this that you can find on, on the Remix.run blog. And um, the, the bottom line is uh, Remix is better in every way. Um, it, uh, from the user experience standpoint, uh, developer experience standpoint, just as an example for the DX piece, the integration with the Shopify API uh, in Next.js, uh, you have to have code both that runs on both the client and the server. And all of that code together is almost 8,000 lines. And um, in the Remix um, rewrite, it's uh, 608. So um, just a lot less code to, uh, to manage that. Um, and so we are absolutely not doing what uh, has been done before. Um, this is a, a new thing um, that really changes the game. And I'd, I'd strongly advise people to give it a really solid look. And, and if you're really thinking, oh, I don't know, this can't be that much better, then take one of our demos, rewrite it in your favorite framework, uh, and then judge for yourself. I tell you what, it's it's such a technology that even if people don't think that it's going to be for them or they won't have an opportunity to use it on your projects, I would say do it because it's like going to the gym when you haven't worked out in a couple of years because it's making you learn things that you realize you hadn't learned or at least haven't thought about in way too long, especially mm. the caching stuff. 
really gets to you. You're like, I did not learn this as well as I needed to learn. <laughs> and yeah. so if nothing else, as you guys say, it's just a great way to learn web technologies, web approaches in ways mm -hmm. that kind of has the developer experience without having to necessarily give up on the user experience, which was kind of, was sort of posed as a fake or a false trade-off that had to, that necessarily had to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you saying that reminds me that like a lot of people will come into our discord and be uh, like, I can't believe how much I'm learning about the web. And, um, and they say like, I spend way more time on MDN than I do on remix.run slash docs. Like I am, um, I am really learning the web and that that's very gratifying, especially since I'm in charge of developer experience. It means that I have less to do. <laughs> like I, I'm in charge of the docs. I have less docs to write because we just say, Oh, go read about, you know, response request and, and fetch and, and headers and all of that stuff uh, on MDN because like that's we just um, most of the time abstractions like to wrap the platform and expose their own like what they think is a nicer API for it and Remix um, instead it will wrap um, wrap the platform specific stuff but then expose the web platform and so like whether you're using Express or Cloudflare or Vercel or Netlify or AWS Lambda um, they all have their own different APIs for request response we wrap those into a web fetch request response. And so it's going to be the same regardless of where you deploy it to. Um, and so rather than like making up our own API, um, we actually just take advantage of the, the standardized API. Um, and so we actually have another blog post uh, titled Not Another Web Framework um, that uh, uh, just talks about the idea that Remix is, um, it's really, it's pretty different because of the focus on the web platform itself. Great. For people that have been using Remix before, but maybe they didn't get to check out RemixConf, which would be really unfortunate. Uh, what can people expect from Remix on the technical side of things, from the library itself, uh, in the next few months? Like, Are there any big things that y'all are looking to add or to improve? Yeah. Uh, so we just recently shipped um, a more spec compliant version of our fetch polyfill. And so what that enables us to do is streaming in particular. And um, so, um, I mean, we, we already supported, like mostly supported streaming, but now we support it better. Um, and uh, server-side events are making a comeback. Um, so if you haven't uh, been around for a while, or, or if you have been around for a while, you may not have, this might be like, oh yeah, those are a thing. Um, we all got distracted, not distracted, but like excited about uh, WebSockets for real-time stuff. But server-side events can actually satisfy the, uh, the vast majority of real-time use cases that people have. And so uh, real-time is something we need to build more demos and examples of, of what that's like because it's actually really great. Um, so that ha has been uh, available for like the last month or so. We just haven't talked about it too much. Um, and then uh, we, we have something really, really cool coming that requires React 18 streaming and, um, and suspense for data fetching APIs. Uh, we have a pre uh, experimental release for that right now. It's called the Deferred API. Um, and Ryan Florence gave a talk at Reactathon a couple weeks ago, uh, giving a little mini demo of that. Um, that basically makes it so that you can, uh, like there, there are certain areas of the page uh, of the, the content you've got on there that are really critical. You don't want to even render the page until this data is available. And then other pieces that like you can render a spinner, that's fine. So an example of this would be a product page and you've got the review comments at the bottom. Like, I don't want to wait to render the whole page until those review comments come in. Like, let's say that takes a long time or something. 
that would just be wasteful. Most of the time, people don't look at the reviews at first anyway. And so um, what the the challenge there is you have to say, okay, well, uh, currently in uh, Remix or pretty much any other framework, you have to say, okay, well, we'll go ahead and we'll load all of the data for everything else. And then I'll have a component that's responsible for going to, you know, in the client, go and fetch the um, all of the extra, you know, data that is necessary for the, the reviews. So um, the, the problem with that is it's like architecturally different. Like your code is completely different um, to, to support that, uh, that particular use case. Uh, without going in too much detail uh, on a podcast that is audio, um, uh, I'll say that with the new deferred API that we're coming up with, um, you, the only change that you need to make to decide whether or not you're gonna wait for that is whether or not um, you await a promise. So you either return the promise or you await the promise to get the final result and return the result. Um, that is what decides whether or not you're going to show a pending state there or you're just going to show the actual data. So what this means is that um, the, the code is exactly the same. You're, uh, you end up um, being able to determine whether or not to, uh, to show a loading spinner based on like who is logged in. What um, what uh, experiments are currently running? Is this user in those experiments? Um, what's the data like? Does the data say, "Hey, there are a lot of reviews. Maybe you'll want to spinner this thing," or like all sorts of things um, that would be extremely difficult to do otherwise? Um, and this works both on the initial server render as well as on a client transition. And so, what this this calls out to one of the things that makes Remix really special is that, um, and, and this is why I can say with confidence that I can't think of a single use case for the web where Remix isn't extremely well suited. And in fact, even the best suited framework for building that, that experience for the web. Um, and this is, this is why. Because Remix doesn't say, hey, we're going to just like grab this niche of the web and we're gonna be the perfect thing for this niche of the web. But what, what we say instead is the web is vast. There's so much stuff here, so many different trade-offs you need to make. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you all of the levers that you need, the dials that you need to uh, decide um, what trade-offs that you want to make. Um, and so this, the deferred API is one of those levers um, that just says uh, it's just really, really easy to decide between a loading spinner and uh, waiting until we rendering for that. Um, and a lot of what, what Remix is doing is just giving you levers uh, to uh, to be able to make those trade-offs rather than just say, hey, this is always better. Um, we say, no, it's not always better. It's like better a lot of, a lot of the time, but it's not always better. So we're going to uh, give you the opportunity to um, to just easily with with few uh, changes to your mental model and to your code, um, make those trade-offs yourself. Well, we're approaching the end of our conversation, but one of the places where we like to end our conversations is in a discussion about the community. And I'm sure you would agree that that is no insignificant or small part of the success of Remix has been uh, the community that's developed around it. Um, I mean, the ability to host and put on and have the support for a successful conference within the you know, first year of going kind of public is an amazing feat that should not be overlooked. But I know you all have a great Discord as well. Uh, of people that aren't just fans, but are also mentors and people that love to explore together uh, this this framework and the things that they're learning. I was wondering if you could kind of explain for people that got excited in this conversation, how they can get plugged in um, and maybe what things are coming uh, in the future for sort of the Remix community in general. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I did want to talk a little bit about the growth story for Remix. So we um, we kind of cheated because React Router, like Remix is an evolution of React Router. So there's always a lot, of, uh, already a lot of um, usage and, and things of React Router at least. Um, and then Remix was uh, closed sourced and paid software for a year uh, in advance of actually open sourcing. We had 500 users before open sourcing. Um, and so take take all of that with consideration um but like it's it's nuts that in six months we had a conference where there were 330 people in attendance we sold out our sponsors um we we have not nailed down the the date of next year's conference um but it will be in may and we have already sold i, I need to look again but uh, last i checked we already sold uh, 23 tickets to people who don't even know when it is or where it is they just know it's in Salt Lake City in May sometime next year. Um, we sold uh, like seven or eight sponsorships uh, to the conference next year. Um, I, I've been working, uh, and, and this is the part that I'm in, uh, one of the things I'm in charge of. So this is why I get so excited about this stuff. But um, Remix ha has almost 2,000 members of our meetups all over the world. We have 11 meetups, um, and there are two more that are currently uh, working on getting started. Um, we have almost 12,000 members of our Discord um, server. We've got, I think, 17,000 stars on, on GitHub. And of course, like the, the router repo has got like, I don't know, 50 or 80,000 80, like tons, um, but it's been around for a while. Um, but uh, it, I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what the download trends are um, for NPM because that uh, that's a pretty uh, weird metric, uh, right? But by like, by most measures, um, if you, if you do consider that metric a little bit, um, then I, oh my gosh, I just pulled it up. Uh, and I didn't realize this, uh, but we just barely passed SvelteKit, um, in downloads of our server runtime, uh, which is pretty significant because SvelteKit has been around a lot longer than our server runtime. And, and the server runtime doesn't apply to any React Router apps. Like if somebody's downloading the server runtime, that means that they are actually using the server feature of Remix. So like that, that actually... Uh, that blasts us ahead of of all of the the more upstart um, uh, frameworks that uh, that have been around for a while. It won't be long before we blast ahead of Gatsby as well. Um, so this thing is growing out at an outrageous pace, um, and I I couldn't be more excited about uh, about this. And on top of all of that, um, that pales in comparison to like the value of the quality of the community. And our community is full of really awesome people who are uh, just trying to build websites and make their, their own experience better and the experience of their users better. So I'm really, really happy with how our community is shaping out. Really nice people. We don't uh, stand for uh, people being rude or like cursing a bunch and stuff. Like our, our Discord is a really nice, cool place to hang out. Um, and uh, And... Yeah, I feel really, really good about things. I will say that um, Ryan, Michael, and I are very opinionated, and uh, we're not afraid of sharing our opinions. And sometimes Twitter will see those opinions and be like, you must hate everybody else. Um, and that is on us to uh, to make things more clear. So there have been a couple of times where um, people get this impression that our marketing strategy is to stir up a lot of um uh, conflict and stuff that is that is not our marketing strategy it's just like it it happens naturally and we're working on improving that about ourselves um 
But uh, for the most part, uh, despite that, I guess, um, our community is really friendly. Um, and so we're happy to have you. Uh, and we also have hundreds of contributors to our um, uh, to Remix as well already. Um, so uh, I am pretty confident in saying um, that there has never in the history of the web been a, a web framework like, um, like what we're doing uh, that has grown even a fraction as fast as Remix is growing. It's just, it's, it boggles the mind. And in the future, people will look back and be like, yeah, wow, Remix just took the web by storm um, because it, it is. And, it, um, and it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be a part of that. Well, for y'all's sake, I hope it works out. I like to tell people as well that I don't know if Remix will be who's on top of the pile at the end, but I do think that y'all are on to something uh, here. And I do think that this methodology, this approach is certainly going to be uh, have the staying power. Um, I'm probably more excited for this model than, some, than pretty much anything I, I've played around with uh, recently. But I mean, I guess I'm excitable about a lot of things, but <laughs> so, I think y'all are on to something here. Um, and again, as as we close out, I guess I just wanted to check too on training resources. You're well known. All of you are well known for being excellent trainers. Uh, this is a, a young, a new technology, so some of the materials are still being developed. The docs are great, um, but are there any other places other than the Discord that people should be looking to if they just wanted a little bit more on how to get started or how to build something with Remix? Yeah, totally. Um... So the the docs are my responsibility, and and if they are lacking, it's my fault. Um, and you can you can get mad at me about it, and I will work on on making it better. Um, we as a, a a company we're we're interested in just helping people be as successful as possible with Remix, and so uh, a lot of my time is dedicated to figuring out good ways to to help educate people um, on Remix and the web in general. And so um, I did produce an egghead course uh, that is um, it's completely free. People can go and watch that. It, it um, Basically, it's an hour and 20 minutes of me going through the blog tutorial that we have. Um, but uh, it also goes through some of the homework stuff that we had in the blog tutorial, like how to um, add like authentication um, and various things like uh, of that nature. So, um, so yeah, we've got the... Uh, egghead course there's actually another egghead course by ian um that is is really awesome as well ian jones and um uh, there's one on uh level up tuts that somebody put together uh, john meyer i think is his name uh, at uh, Superbase. Uh, and so yeah this is actually one one area where people could really help in contributing and that is um producing uh high quality content around remix uh, this is, like I said, I, I wouldn't have left my teaching thing to join Remix if I didn't think this was the next thing. And so if you trust me at my word or don't don't trust me at my word, go go play with it and decide for yourself. But if you feel like this is going to be a really big thing in the future, then um, then this is a really great opportunity to make a name for yourself in a new community. Um, and so start producing uh, podcasts or YouTube videos or uh, or blog posts or courses, whatever. Um, because we do, uh, a lot of the conversation is happening on discord, uh, and we intentionally like, don't want that to be searchable on online because discord is just like people throwing ideas out there and stuff. Um, but take a lot of the, the really good nuggets out of that and turn that into a blog post that's searchable by Google. Uh, we need help with that. Um, we cannot scale, uh, to the scale that is needed, um, by ourselves. And so we absolutely need the community to help us, um, with that stuff.
Well, great. Thank you so much. I mean, an hour goes by very quickly uh, when you're talking about topics that are as exciting as this. So that's going to be it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Modern Web Podcast on Remix. Thank you, as always, to our guest, Kent, for being here today. Um, the, as we like to say, the conversation does not stop here. We advise all of you to go play around with Remix. And as you do that, if you have thoughts or questions or feedback, please reach out to us online. You can find Kent on Twitter at Kent C. Dodds, so that's K-E-N-T-C-D-O-D-D-S, or join their Discord server as well. Uh, and you can find me online at RoboCell. As for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. As always, thank you as well to our sponsor, Cloudways. Hope to see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Show for you.